0: Well, it's always great to be back here. I'm going to be teaching tonight on the futures for Israel, Iran, and the Arab states. I'll be teaching from my book, The Psalm 83, Missing Prophecy Revealed, How Israel Becomes Next Midi's Superpower. Uh, The book has teaching companion DVDs, and they're out there at my resource table if you want more information that I'm able to share with you tonight. Uh, Before I get into the talk, I also wanted to tell you, last November... I spoke at Calvary Chapel on the topic of the Catholic Church and the Tribulation. Excuse me, uh, 412 Church I spoke here last November. How many of you here attended that service? Oh, quite a few of you. Uh, that service has been seen, watched by tens of thousands of people on your YouTube site. So we decided to, you know, because it became so popular, to put it into a DVD. So we have a DVD out there uh, called "The Catholic Church and the Tribulation." If you remember, I connected the letter to Thyatira, where it says God will send her into the sickbed of the Great Tribulation, the second half of the Tribulation. That was a prophetic inference to the Church of Thyatira. And, uh, and he says, I will kill her children with death, so it's a very powerful warning, and I believe that there's a connection here with the Catholic Church, a warning to them that they will actually be left behind the institution and go into the sickbed of the Great Tribulation. And so that's on the DVD out there. Also, that same time and here in November, I was in the week before in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania doing a debate with Joel Richardson, New York Times bestseller on the identity of Mystery Babylon, the great city of the harlot world religion and he took the position that was Mecca and that Islam is the harlot world religion and I took the popular position that it was Rome so we have a DVD on that too. It's a three-hour discussion slash debate filled with research. These two uh, DVDs work hand in hand together give you an understanding of what's going to happen when the church is raptured and what, the harlot world religion of mystery Babylon that follows in the aftermath. So let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room in the Middle East, Israel's existential threat. Let's talk about the futures for Israel and Iran. Ayatollah Khomeini, you see him up there. Iran is in the, the subject of a couple end times Bible prophecies. They have a they have double trouble in the end times, a double jeopardy. They are mentioned by Ezekiel in chapter 38 verse 5 as Persia, but they are also mentioned by his contemporary Jeremiah in, Ezek- in Jeremiah chapter 49 as Elam, the ancient prophecy of Elam. So we're going to look at these two prophecies briefly to see what the futures for Iran will hold and... I also want to show you another map of what we're dealing with when you look at a modern-day map of Iran today. You have Persia, which is about three-fourths of modern-day Iran. You see the green arrow up there. You also have Elam, which you'll see there's a nuclear reactor there in that picture. That's the Bouchard nuclear reactor. It's Iran's crown jewel uh, of its nuclear program, the first one they had operating. And so it sits in the west side by the Persian Gulf in the ancient territory called Elam. These areas are separated and always have been geographically by the Zagros Mountains. This, is a, this facility is in the prophecy, I believe we are dealing with a nuclear prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 49. It sits where three tectonic plates converge filled with Russian fuel rods. It's, it's very concerning to the Arab states on the other side of the Gulf because they're concerned about an earthquake or an Israeli strike on this site creating a radioactive disaster. They've studied it and they believe that within... 24 to 48 hours, 40% to 100% of their populations could be extremely adversely affected by the nuclear active, uh, radioactive waves coming across with the wind patterns and things into those Gulf, coats, uh, Gulf states, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, UAE, and Bahrain. So it's a very active prophecy that we'll be looking at here today. Uh, we'll do a little update. May has been an incredible month. Uh, we had several big things happen, perhaps with prophetic implications centered around Israel and, of course, with Donald Trump. And uh, he, uh, we moved our embassy, we'll talk about that, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. But let's start with dealing with the topic of Iran. Benjamin Netanyahu, on May 2nd, did a PowerPoint presentation. How many of you had a chance to see Benjamin Netanyahu do a PowerPoint presentation? Uh, the story is that they, the, Isra- the Mossad had captured about 100,000 documents dealing with Iran's nuclear program in January of this year. And as they were smuggling these these documents out, they were being chased, so it's amazing how they were even able to get these out. uh, Netanyahu said it was one of the biggest Mossad intel captures of Israel's history, or one of Israel's biggest captures. I personally think it's probably one of the biggest captures of all times, 100,000 documents. And it proved that Iran had lied about their, in the nego- negotiations about their nuclear intent. So you see a picture of him up there. Now, in a- it was April of 28th or 29th, Mike Pompeo, our defense minister, went over to visit Netanyahu. And, and Netanyahu said to Pompeo, listen, we have found and filtered through about 40% of these 100,000 documents that we've got. What do you think Donald Trump would like us to do? Should we go out public with it now or should we filter through the rest of it? And so Pompeo called Trump, and Trump said, bring it out now. So that's when he did his PowerPoint presentation. Now, that gave Donald Trump all the ammunition he needed on May 8th to withdraw from the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action nuclear deal with Iran. And of course, that has created all kinds of shockwaves, but Pompeo came out shortly thereafter, and he had come out with 12 demands upon Iran. Uh, and he said that he was going to level unprecedented sanctions um, and really put a pinch on Iran. And so he said things like, the Iran will have to stop enriching all uranium, which, by the way, about a week ago, Iran opened another nuclear enrichment plant in Natanz, the so they're going to start enriching the uranium. That's against what Pompeo said was the situation. Uh, matter of fact, uh, about uh, a couple of weeks back, there was a leader of Iran went over to speak to a bunch of European countries and threatened them and said we could enrich uranium to weapon uh, nuclear weapons grade capacities in two to three days. And then, then of course, now they're enriching uranium at the Natanz facility. But you know, uh, Donald Trump has drawn a line in the sand with Mike Pompeo's warnings. You can no longer enrich uranium. You must get out of Syria with your presence you have there with the proxies of Bashar al-Assad. You must stop spreading your hegemony throughout the Middle East with the Houthis and the Hezbollah. And you know there's 12 of these issues of which Iran is being defiant at this point in time. Now Benjamin Netanyahu has gone over to uh, speak to the European leaders, to speak to Russia and China, as have Iran has sent emissaries out to these places too. So you've got a real chess match going on. And you know, you're gonna see some little po- political wranglings and this sort of thing. Uh, probably a lot of lies and deceit, but the bottom line is you know Netanyahu means what he says, and he's threatening that he will attack, and also Trump means what he says, and also Ayatollah Khomeini means what he says. Remember, they have their own end times thinking that they want to create some kind of an apocalyptic condition in the Middle East that will hasten the coming of their Islamic Messiah called the Mahdi, so he's not a rational actor. So we're watching these things closely. Uh, shortly after Pompeo issued his demands, uh, one of the Iranian leaders, Ishmael Kosawi, said, we want to encourage all Muslims throughout the world to punch Mike Pompeo in the mouth. <laughs> what a threat. I don't think Mike Pompeo was too concerned about that. Meanwhile, shortly after Trump had withdrawn from the nuclear tr- uh, deal, we sent out a press release uh, that read like this, Trump withdraws, Iran enriches, and Christian leaders warn Iranians of ancient catastrophic prediction. The weekend before U.S. President Donald Trump withdrew from the JCPOA, millions of Iranians were warned to prepare for a coming nuclear disaster. And what you see there is a picture of Dr. Homer Sheriat, who Billy Joel, uh, Joel Rosenberg calls the Billy Graham of Iran, with me seated next to him. And we had done shows on May 4th, May 5th, and May 6th, through satellite television. It's the most watched satellite television program in all of Iran, millions of Iranians watched these shows. They were all concerned about what was Trump gonna do a few days later, which happened on May 8th when he withdrew. And so we shared with them the gospel. We talked to them about King Cyrus, the good king, who was a believer in God. Uh, Isaiah had predicted, called him out by name a hundred years before he was even born. When he realized that he had been part of Isaiah's prophecy he immediately did what the prophecy commanded, which was to send the Jews back out of 70 years of captivity with the Babylonians back to rebuild Judah and the temple in Jerusalem. So he realized that this prophecy that he was fulfilling, he became a God of the Bible. He believed, in the, excuse me, he believed in the God of the Bible, one of the most important kings in the Bible, and he's not even Jewish. So he reminded the Iranians, because they celebrate him. Whenever they have their New Year's holiday called Nowruz, hundreds of thousands of them go visit his tombs. And so this show is sort of based on that. And uh, so we had the opportunity to reach out to many of them, and then we told them about this prophecy, which I'm going to briefly share with you tonight, dealing with Elam. Uh, We also pointed out that there was a... King Cyrus is popular among the Jewish people, as is Donald Trump now, and that the Sanhedrin had minted a coin that put Donald Trump superimposed over King Cyrus in commemoration of his Jerusalem decision to move the embassy. And of course, the Sanhedrin, they want to build their temple to promote funds to build their temple. And then we also showed them that there are also prophecies dealing with a bad king. Now, this guy's not on that coin, Ayatollah Khomeini. We're going to talk about a prophecy that talks about a time when the Lord would be fiercely angry with the leadership of Iran. And he was not angry with King Cyrus. So they got to see all that. Many came to the Lord, I understand. Uh, so it was a great opportunity for them to realize uh, this prophecy. And by the way, these what you're going to hear right now, um, many Iranians right now are very concerned about this. Hormoz Shariat and other pastors over there are warning these people in the affected. that's going to be in this affected population, this affected ter- Elam territory on the west side of Iran to be prepared to exit because the nuclear disaster seems to be coming. And it would be like when Jeremiah would be warning the people of the southern kingdom of Judah, it looks like the Babylonians are now making their march towards us. You need to be ready. That's the same fervor that they're going out with in Iran now, warning them about this prophecy that I'm about to tell you about. It's a sad thing, but many people within the church aren't even familiar with this prophecy. But you know, who needs to know about it are the Iranians, and they have now been informed. I spoke in English. He translated in Farsi. So the prophecy talks, I'm not going to read the whole prophecy to you. I have actually taught on it here before, but I'm going to give you a summary of it because we're talking about the future of Iran. I'm looking at this to be a prophecy that could happen in the very near future. It says that the Lord is going to do several things. He wills to do several things in this prophecy. First, we find out that he's going to bring a disaster upon the area that you saw on the map. Why? Because he's going to be fiercely angry. It tells us he's going to be fiercely angry with the leadership of Iran at the time this disaster is created because he says he's going to destroy from there the kings and the princes. Again, he would not destroy King Cyrus, but he would destroy the Islamic mullahs over there right now that want to wipe Israel off the map. Why is he angry with them? Because they want to launch something lethal somewhere, and now they're enriching uranium again. Uh, they can, in two to three days, have it up to weapons grade uh, if they want to, weapons, nuclear weapons grades. Uh, Because it says he's going to break their bow at the foremost of their might, at at their strongest point. He's going to prevent them from launching something somewhere. He's angry with them. And then he says as the disaster occurs, he's going to bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven and scatter those Elamites, that indigenous population, into all those winds out into all the nations. It says the exiles, there'll be no nations where they are not scattered. So it sounds like a humanitarian crisis ensues after this disaster happens when the bow of Iran is broken. Dealing with probably, at this point in time, their ICBMs, their Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles and other missiles they have that could launch nuclear warheads. So and then he says he'll scatter them toward all those winds, and he tells us that Elam, Iran, will be dismayed before their enemies and those who seek their life, meaning at the time the disaster happens, Iran will have a menu of enemies, and they do, Israel uh, the Sun- Saudi Arabia, the Sunni states are very concerned about Iran. The international commu- community is concerned about Iran. Iran is spreading its terror throughout the Middle East. They want to shut. They said they would shut down the Strait of Hormuz, with 21 miles. Uh, that's the narrowest point. Uh, a third of the world's oil comes through there. If Tehran is attacked or their nuclear program is attacked, they promised that they would shut down the Strait of Hormuz to ch- choke off oil and hurt world economies. So, you know, there are enemies that are concerned about Iran right now. The Lord said he would send the sword after them. That usually means military invasion. And he would set his throne in Elam, uh, which is the good news to the Iranians. They, they are excited about that. The mission statement of Hormuz Shariat at Al- Iran Alive Ministries is transforming Iran into a Christian nation in this generation based on this verse, that the Lord will set his throne someday in Elam. It says, in the latter days... So that's why we know this is an end times prophecy. The same exact words used in Ezekiel in the latter days. He will bring back the captives, those exiles that were scattered. He will bring them back. So that's that prophecy in a nutshell. Uh, we'll move over to Ezekiel 38 for a minute. A different prophecy. Many people are talking about this prophecy now. As if it could happen at the present time. If it's, as if it's imminent. I'll tell you why I don't think so at this point. But that involves Iran as Persia. You see up there with the arrow listed by their ancient names: Mishek, Tubal, Tugarma, Magog, etc. <clears throat> Here's a map in general of who those countries are by consensus: Russia: Turkey, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia. You see the list up there, Libya. Now, these have never been Israel's notorious enemies. Uh, they don't share common borders with Israel. I call them an outer ring of countries. Uh, they're predominantly not Arabs. Uh, so just a few things to note. Now you'll notice there's nothing mentioned about Elam in there in those ancient names that Ezekiel writes. Uh, why not? Because I believe they are separate prophecies. Jeremiah wrote about Elam about 596 B.C., about a decade before Ezekiel wrote Ezekiel 38. I have an article on my website, and it's also in my book, Nuclear Showdown, out there. Are Jeremiah and Ezekiel 38 the same prophetic events? And I explain why they're not most likely, and why Ezekiel 38 would follow Jeremiah chapter 49. I want to spend just a moment, I just did a video, just posted it on our website, prophecydepot.com, it's on YouTube. Is Ezekiel 38 a now prophecy? I have a book called The Now Prophecies where I say, these are the prophecies that lack preconditions. They can happen at the present time. We could wake up tomorrow and we could see the fulfillment of a biblical prophecy. When we look at all the details, there's nothing else standing in the way. That Iran prophecy with Elam was one of them. Is it imminent? Some people are trying to say right now that it is an imminent event. It could happen at the present time. This is what we should be watching for. I'm gonna give you a few reasons why I would disagree with that. Now, before I go to this slide, I do wanna say this though. I do believe that Ezekiel 38 will happen before the tribulation period, and it's a major prophecy. It's one of the most descriptive biblical prophecies in the Bible. It's the event God is gonna use to put the world on notice that he's the holy God of the Bible. He's going to stop it with an earthquake and fire and hailstone and brimstone. It won't be the American forces or the Israeli defense forces. And the world's going to know, hey, that was supernatural just defeat. And it says in the aftermath, I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. They shall not profane it anymore. Um, and the nation shall know I'm the Holy One in Israel. So it's a major event, it's forthcoming. I believe it will happen before the tribulation. Because we're told, one of the reasons that I, I follow, a guy named Dr. Ron Rose wrote a book called Northern Storm Rising. He wrote this in his book, and it's, 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 we, several of us adhere to this thinking, that says that in the victory, when Israel's after, in the aftermath, they're going to burn the enemy's weapons for seven years. Use them for fuel. And so it looks like there's a detail there for us on timing. Because if the event happens at least three and a half years before the tribulation, they could be burning the weapons. Then they could burn the weapons for the first three and a half years into the tribulation because they're living in a condition of pseudo-peace. They've confirmed a false covenant. Antichrist has confirmed a false covenant. Tribulation has started, but in the first half, the Jews feel like they're in a condition of peace. Of course, that changes in the middle of the tribulation. Even Jesus Christ warns when you see the Antichrist go into the temple. There'll be a Jewish temple at that time and do an abominable act called the Abomination of Desolation, he warns the Jews to flee. So in the second half, they're fleeing for their lives, and they're not likely going to be burning weapons. If anything, they would pick up a weapon to try to defend themselves as they flee, because that's when the Antichrist tries to commit genocide. That's one of the reasons why some of us believe is a pre-tribulation event. But I don't necessarily believe it will happen right at the present time. There's a few conditions we're going to look at. Until these conditions are met 100%, then Israel, this prophecy cannot find its fulfillment. It says in Ezekiel 38, verse 7 through 12, they must be regathered from the nations, referring to the people, the Jews into Israel, in the latter years, brought back from persecution, the sword, into a land which had long been desolate. And of course, we've been seeing that going on for the last 70 years. Israel is celebrating its 70-year anniversary. Just did that on May 14, 2018. But what about these conditions that are very important? They must dwell in the midst of that land, but they must be a peaceful people dwelling securely without walls, bars, nor gates, having gold and silver and acquired livestock and goods, a wealthy nation possessing great booty and plunder, because that's what Russia is going to come after, their wealth, their plunder, and their booty. And so, in my estimation, Israel is not particularly dwelling in these conditions right now. It's hard to get around that wall, pun intended. There's a 400-mile-plus wall, separating Palestinian terror out of Israel proper. At some points, it's 20 feet tall, filled with concrete. And they've got security checkpoints all throughout Israel, walls, bars, and gates all around. Matter of fact, the Middle East is the most fenced in and fortified country in the world, and Israel is the most fenced in country within the Middle East. So if Israel's not dwelling securely right now, and all the Israelis know where their bomb shelters are, and Hezbollah's got about 150,000 missiles pointed at Israel, Hamas and and Palestinians have been charging the borders and sending over incendiary kites and burning up land. I, you know, I don't see Israel dwelling securely right now. Some of my colleagues would say otherwise, but I would just disagree. But if they're not dwelling securely now, when will they dwell securely? Well, Ezekiel tells us 10 chapters earlier in Ezekiel chapter 28. It's a very important verse. gives us the clues as to when Ezekiel 38 could happen after something happens in Ezekiel 28. And what he says in Ezekiel 28, verses 24 through 26, thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land that I gave to my servant Jacob, and they will dwell safely. It's the same Hebrew words Ezekiel 38 uses, Yeshavatak. they will dwell safely there. They will build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely, the same Hebrew words, Yeshavatak. But he tells us when that's going to happen. He says, when I execute judgments on all those around them who despise them, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. So we're going to look in a a moment and say, well, does Israel have people around them who despise them that will need to have judgments executed upon them? And the answer is yes, there are. And these are the very people that have been problems for Israel. These are the Arab states that share common borders with Israel. They're in Psalm 83. And I'm going to show you some of the judgments that are going to be levied through prophecies on these countries, when he says they despise them, will have judgments executed upon them, we're going to look at those judgments when we talk about the future of the Arab states in just a moment. But these are the countries, in Psalm, the populations today, Lebanon, you have Hezbollah there, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, the Palestinians are in this, Hamas, we believe, perhaps Egypt and Saudi Arabia. These would be the people I believe will have judgments executed upon them They've despised Israel. There's some peace treaties now, and Saudi Arabia's making some inroads with Israel right now because they're concerned about Iran, uh, not because they love Israel, but they, they hate Iran right now. It's, the, it's this age-old saying in the Middle East, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The enemy Israel, uh, my enemy Iran, is my friend, Saudi Arabia, right? That sort of thing. So, uh, And I'll show you why those peace treaties with Jordan and Egypt were paper-thin as well in just a moment. So, uh, again, talking about could Ezekiel 38 happen right now before we get into those Arab states? We're still talking about the future of Iran. I wrote an article that I, I would ask to all of you watching and in here listening right now, can you answer this question for me if you really think Ezekiel 38 is about to happen right now? And the article is, Iran is in Ezekiel 38, but why not their proxies? Why are Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas, and the Houthis missing in action? Why are they not listed? by Ezekiel 38. He lists nine populations very specifically but he does not include anything that would resemble Hezbollah. He doesn't use ancient terms like Lebanon, well of course it's modern now, but Tyre and Sidon or Gabal, no. Tyre and Gabal are in Psalm 83 but they're not mentioned anywhere in Ezekiel 38. He doesn't mention Assyria or Damascus or places that would otherwise, or Aram, which would represent you know, Assyria today. You know, these are proxies of Iran. If Iran was to get in a Come into Israel with Russia and try to make an invasion right now. Certainly, why would they not bring ball, as 150,000 missiles, Bashar al-Assad? What about the Hamas? They're a proxy of Iran. They're not listed by Ezekiel as Felicia or Gaza or anything, but they're listed as Felicia in Psalm 83. What about the Houthis? The Houthis are Iran's proxies down in Yemen. They're firing missiles into Saudi Arabia right now. None of these places, by their ancient names, are listed in Ezekiel 38. And it's not that Ezekiel didn't know about these ancient names. He writes about these countries, these populations that are in Psalm 83 over 80 plus times in his 48 chapters but he, he conspicuously omits them in Ezekiel 38 so my question is what happens to the Hezbollah Syria, Hamas and Houthi proxies when Iran comes to invade if it's supposed to happen right now because they would certainly join them in my estimation. Matter of fact when you consider the fact that the armies of Ezekiel 38 actually come from the uttermost parts of the north we're told and that would mean they've got to go through lebanon they have to go past the hezbollah to even get into israel the other thing i want to look at here that is a contradiction there's these other populations Listen to ezekiel 38 that are just simply protesters uh in ezekiel 38 verse 13 it says shivan didan the merchants of tarshish and all their young lions will say have you come to take plunder speaking to the magog invaders have you gathered your army to take booty to carry away silver and gold to take away livestock and goods to take great plunder in other words, this is how we understand the motive of Russia. They're coming after the plunder and the booty. So you have these sideline protesters. They're not invading, but they're not defending Israel. So who are they by their ancient names? Well, uh, Sheba would be Yemen, which is where the Houthis are right now. And the Houthis are firing missiles into Saudi Arabia. But yet, Dedan is the Saudis. So we find them together in Ezekiel 38, locking arms, protesting this invasion. What are you doing? Why are you coming after Israel? And yet they're enemies today. They're at odds with each other today. Why are they together? Why is the Houthis not joining Iran? Why are they standing on the sidelines saying, Iran, what are you doing? Why are you going in to invade? So if you follow me on that stuff, it's, just, it's a disconnect from my perspective. Something has to happen there. And as far as the merchants of Tarshish and their young lions, I put forward in the Now Prophecies book out there that I believe that could be representing the UK and the USA. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We're going to turn our attention now. To the futures for Israel and the Arab states, um, we'll talk around across the boards what their futures appear to be. But we'll spend a moment talking about the embassy move on May 14th, when Donald Trump did this bold move on May 14th, 70-year anniversary of Israel, and you see you know Ivanka Trump uh, at the placard there in front of the embassy there, and Judge reports that embassy in Jerusalem is opening, but look at these. Hi, highlights on the drudge that's going on the same day. IDF thwarts terror strike. Um, live updates, Netanyahu praises Trump. Arabs force the borders. I mean, I, you can read them better than I can on my small print up here, but it was, you could, this is when the Palestinians sent 40,000 protesters of Hamas to the borders on that very day. Over 2,000 injuries. While well, we're celebrating, and Israel should be able to celebrate this amazing feat, the, the move of the embassy. We're celebrating and they're forcing the borders and 60 people were killed and 50 of them turned out to be Hamas terrorists. Matter of fact, I'm gonna play a video right now that tells you what's really going on with the borders and with the Hamas. It's just a short video if we can uh, maybe get the lights down and the sound and everything on. Israel, ancient, the birthplace of Judaism and Christianity. Gaza, a failed state run by a terrorist organization called Hamas, an Islamic extremist group funded by Iran. What about the Palestinians? In 2005, Israel kicked out its own people to give them Gaza. Instead of peace, they got war. The issues are complex, but you won't believe what Hamas is really doing to its own people until you watch The Truth About Gaza, now playing on Vimeo, a 20-minute short film by Richard Shaw. They targeted a school They bus. targeted a yellow school bus. We actually had somebody come up to the fence and ask one of the soldiers to shoot him. You know, I've watched, it's a 21-minute video. It's a buck and a quarter to download. You just go to pinlight.com, Truth About Gaza. I highly recommend it. It'll be the best buck and a quarter you spent to find out what's really going on, 21 minutes. In the video, that gentleman, Dan Gordon, who's a, you know, in the former IDF leader, he says that the Hamas were sending people up and the, the people would come up and say, would you shoot me? And they would point to where they want him shot so it wouldn't hit a bone because they would get $250 if they went back to the Hamas and had a bullet wound. So that's, that's the insanity of what's going on. They're still charging the borders. The 10,000 of them just charged again recently. So Donald Trump has moved the embassy. Now, what could the prophetic implications of that mean? Well, one, it singles the, that the world's greatest superpower supports Israel's right to Jerusalem as its undivided capital. Now that's a big problem for the Arabs who consider Jerusalem the third holiest city in Islam and the Muslims in general. It further undermines the international control and oversight of Jerusalem. You know, they want to divide the city of Jerusalem. They divided it in 1949 after the 1948 Arab-Israeli war divided it to the east and to the west. It was not, it's not biblically endorsed. It was never supposed to be divided. It never was divided. It didn't last more than 20 years. Israel won the Six-Day War in 1967 and took over East and West Jerusalem again. But they made a colossal mistake and gave control of the Temple Mount to the Jordanians. But we're going to see how that's going to change shortly in a prophecy. Um, So it undermines the international community's control and oversight of Jerusalem, paves the way for other nations to move their embassies to Jerusalem. We've already seen Guatemala and Paraguay have moved their embassies there as well. And it will likely provoke a Middle East war. I've got an audio I want to play for you. You might wake up one morning and hear something like this on your radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Peter Grant. We're breaking into your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this important news alert. War has broken out in the Middle East between Israel and its neighbors. I repeat, Israel is at war with several of the nations that surround it, including Syria, Lebanon, and Jordan. We have a correspondent, Olivia Markell, who is standing by live in Tel Aviv. Olivia, what can you tell us about the situation at this hour? Peter, we have reports that the Israelis are fighting on several war fronts, even as we speak. The Israeli News reports that the initial conflict began early this morning, when missiles were launched from Syria and southern Lebanon into Israel. Hezbollah, the terrorist organization, is being blamed. However, Al Jazeera TV is stating that the Israelis were first to strike inside Syria, instigating the exchange. In any event, we do have confirmation that at least two missiles landing in Israel contain chemical warheads. I repeat, chemical warheads. Chemical warheads. Syria still has chemicals, don't they? Russia was supposed to go in and dismantle when they got intervened in that Syrian revolution and dismantle those chemical weapons. But instead they bombed the enemies of Bashar al-Assad into submission and didn't get rid of those chemical weapons. Could it be that Israel would someday be attacked by chemical weapons? Uh, We don't know. But that was an audio drama that we put together, myself, Jim Tetlow and Brad Myers, hired professional actors to act out the end times. Middle East events, what happens after the rapture, harlot world religion, UFO deception. So that's where that clip came from. Let's talk about Donald Trump now is gonna more than likely try to introduce his Middle East peace plan pretty soon. I'm anxious to hear what it has been very nebulous. No one really knows all the details. He's been taking his time with it, if he even will introduce it. Uh, If it's got anything to do with land for peace type trade-offs and things like that, uh, that is not biblically endorsed. That has failed miserably with the prior administrations of Clinton, Bush, and Obama. Uh, You know, God has a roadmap plan that I hope Donald Trump would adhere to, although I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he knows what it is. I was on Marcus and Joni when John Kerry, and I think it was in April 2013 or 14, uh, he he was at the last-ditch effort trying to make peace between the Palestinians and the Jews when Obama was president. Marcus and Joni asked me a question. What would you tell John Kerry if you were in front of him right now dealing with his Middle East peace plan? And here's what I said I would tell him. I said, God has a Middle East peace plan. He knew that when the Jews came back into the land after... 1,878 years of being dispersed into the nations of the world, there would be problems because the ancient era of hatred never went away. Matter of fact, it was embraced and enveloped in the religion of Islam, which happened around the 7th century. So I said, here's what God's plan was. It's very compassionate. Jeremiah 12, verses 14 through 15. Thus says the Lord God against all my evil neighbors. Check that out. He's calling them his evil neighbors. Who touch the inheritance, that would be the land of Israel, which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them out, referring to the evil neighbors, of their land of the jewish land and pluck out the house of judah from among them remember there were jews in those arab states as well that had gone out there in the diaspora then it shall be after i have plucked them out that i will return and have compassion on them and bring them back everyone to his heritage and everyone to his land so he wasn't just going to show favoritism to the the jews and bring them back he was was even going to show favor to him to his evil neighbors so he's going to put them all back where they belong this is his compassionate peace plan and, and we see that he did this after World War One, when the Ottoman Empire was conquered. The Arabs started getting their statehood back. Egypt 1922, Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, Lebanon 1943, Syria and Jordan 1946. What a land for peace deal. I mean, look at all those Arab states get back so that the evil neighbors can be put back in them. And the Jews, of course, get their state, Israel, in 1948. Compassionate plan. He goes on to say in verses 16 and 17 in Jeremiah 12, and it shall be if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. And Before I read what will happen if they don't, what he's saying here is that, you know, they, they, you, you Arabs, you need, to get, you need to believe in me, the God of the Bible. You need to swear by my name. Because what had happened back when Jeremiah wrote, They were swearing by the god Baal's name. And they were sacrificing their children to this false god. So with that same fervor and with that same zeal, God's saying, you need to worship me now. Like you taught them to worship your false god, Baal. He says, if you don't do that, I will already pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. The destruction of a nation. Okay, we're going to see that that's about to happen in some of these prophecies I'm going to show you. The evil neighbors. The ones around Israel that don't enable them to dwell securely, that despise Israel. The judgments will be executed upon them in Ezekiel 28. We're going to look at some of their prophecies. I mean, that's pretty powerful to say, I will destroy their, na- their nation. Uh, let's look at this. Are those countries around Israel, those evil neighbors, worshiping the God of the Bible? No, they're Muslims. They worship Allah. And it's not the same God, by the way. Jehovah versus Allah. In the, their holy book, the Quran, Surah 517, Islam rejects the deity of Jesus Christ. Surah 4157 158 rejects his death upon the cross. He paid his price for our sins on the cross. It rejects the Trinity in Surah 4, verses 171. Believe in Allah and his apostles. Say not, Trinity, desist. It will be better for you, for Allah is one. Allah, glory be to him, far exalted to the sea, above even having a son. So folks, are out of compliance with God's roadmap plan. And what will happen? He will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, is what that prophecy says. Psalm 83, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that's the in contrast to Ezekiel 38. All those countries that share common borders with Israel, the evil neighbors that despise Israel, that voted against their being in Israel, that went to war against Israel in 1948-67, and some of them in 1973, are the subject of several prophecies. One of them is in Psalm 83. And that prophecy talks about a time... When those countries you see up on the Lebanon, Hezbollah, Syria, up on the right of the screen, Jordan, the Palestinians, Hamas, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iraq, they will come together to form a confederacy. And their goal, we're told in Psalm 83 verse 4, is He said, "We'll come together. Let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more." This is why they want to get their hands, according to this prophecy, on the land of Israel, and they want to what they want to do is they want to fly the flag of Palestine over it because it says in Psalm 83 verse 12 they want to take for themselves the pastors of God for possession and they want to give it to the Palestinian refugees there's a picture of them they're forcing the borders right now charging them there's a picture of them in 1949 they were a byproduct of the 1948 war I believe they're identified as the tents of Edom in Psalm 83 verse 6 uh, tents of biblically represent refugee conditions typically, and I believe that's what Asaph, the psalmist, was telling us. The tents of Edom would be the Palestinian refugees. They have ethical representation in the Palestinians today. Another connecting prophecy. We'll get right into the prophecies now. We've got about 15, 10 more minutes. Zechariah 12, verse 2, talks about a time when Jerusalem, and we're talking about Jerusalem, the embassies moved. It's, deri- it's a derision to those people around him. He says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling or dizziness or drunkenness in some translations unto all the people round about when, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And so what's going to happen when we've been seeing this going on? They're trying to lay siege on Judah and Jerusalem. They're forcing the borders. They want to, you know, they want to wipe Israel off the map. What's going to happen is it's not going to be a land for peace still. Zechariah tells us in verse 6, he says, In that day when I believe the evil neighbors will be judged, and the enemies around Israel that despise them, and judgments will be executed upon them. In that day will make the governors, captains, chieftains, IDF, in some translations, of Judah, like a firepan in the woodpile, and a fiery torch in the sheaves. They shall devour all the surrounding peoples on the right hand and on the left, but Jerusalem shall be again inhabited in her own place. Jerusalem. Uh, He's talking about the Israeli Defense Forces. The word he uses there is eluf or elufim. That means lieutenant commanders of the IDF. That's still the same term they use. They're going to come against Israel and the, uh, against the Arab states that are trying to lay siege on Judah and Jerusalem, those evil neighbors. And it says the battlefield will be like a woodpile. It'll be like a fire pan in the woodpile. He's giving us that imagery. And that the IDF will be like a fiery torch. And the, the people on the right hand and the left, the evil neighbors will be like sheaves. The IDF will win that war victoriously. Remember, he said, "I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation if they do not swear by the name, by God's name." Does Israel have people on the right hand and on the left hand? Yes, they do. Okay, we're going to look at some of the prophecies there in Psalm eighty-three. It's not going to look good for the Palestinians. Obadiah one verses eighteen: The Palestinians have ethnical representation. From the descendants of Esau, Esau fathered the Edomites. Here's what Obadiah says. The house of Jacob shall be of fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. Remember the theme of the fiery torch, the IDF, the fiery torch. Read that as the IDF. But the house of Esau, the Palestinians, shall be stubble, and no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Evil neighbors are not worshiping God, they're worshiping Allah. They want to wipe Israel off the map. Ezekiel 25. Now, all these prophecies I'm going to read to you, I'm going to read about four or five of them right now. None of these have found fulfillment in, my, in all my research and I challenge anyone to tell me when it did because I'd like to you know, make sure that I'm ass- ass- assessing this appropriately. Ezekiel 25:13 and 14. Dealing with the Palestinians. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it and make it desolate from Taman, Dedan, that's Saudi Arabia, shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel, the Israeli defense forces, that they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, that they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God, a prophecy that has not found fulfillment. Dealing with Edom, Palestinian representation, and Saudi Arabia. Dealing with them, they shall fall by the sword also, militarily. Ezekiel goes on in the next verses to deal with the Hamas, in my estimation. He says, thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines, that's where the the Gaza is, the Philistines used to hail from the Gaza area, till eventually and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old Arab ancient hatred. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and I will destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. So vengeance upon the Edomites, vengeance upon the Philistines. Palestinians today and Hamas, very possibly, is what we're talking about here. Syria. We've talked about this before. This is very much being talked about these days because of what's going on with Bashar al-Assad and his threats to Israel. It's going to be destroyed. Isaiah 17, verse 1 says, Someday Damascus will cease from being a city. It will be a ruinous heap. It will never exist again. And we find out that is also caused by the Israeli defense forces. In Isaiah 17, verse 9, it says... In that day, his strong cities will be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch, which they left because of who? The children of Israel, and there will be desolation. This is the prophecy we're watching for. It happens overnight, and Israel has the technologies to do this, to destroy a major city overnight. Isaiah 17, verse 14 concludes, Then behold, at even you, you see, there's trouble, and for the morning he, Damascus, in the masculine pronoun, is no more. This is the portion of those who plunder us and A lot of those who rob us Uh, these are all prophecies dealing with those countries around israel who are not listed there some of them are proxies of iran right now but they're not listed in ezekiel 38 but they're listed all across the boards and other biblical prophecies so we can't ignore let's talk about jordan jordan has that peace treaty a lot of a lot of my colleagues will say well psalm 83 can't happen it must have already happened because they got a peace treaty with jordan I'm going to show you a couple prophecies and I dare anyone watching or in here show me where you see the peace treaty in these prophecies because these haven't happened yet. Show me if they've been fulfilled. Jeremiah 49 verse 2 Therefore behold the days are coming says the Lord that I will cause to be heard an alarm of what? An alarm of war and rabah of the Ammonites not of peace, an alarm of war. That's what Ammon Jordan is. An unfulfilled prophecy. And it shall be a desolate mound and her villages shall be burned with fire. Then Israel shall take possession of his inheritance, says the Lord. Uh, land given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob from the river of Egypt, the Nile, to the river Euphrates in Genesis 15:18. Jordan is within those measurements. It's going to be a desolate mound. As a result of Israel taking possession, meaning they'll win the war and they'll move in and take territory, which they do. They did this in 1967. And Joshua did it 3,300 years ago, and King David and King Solomon did it 3,000 years ago. They just do that. It increases the defensibility of their borders. Let's look at another Jordanian prophecy. Zephaniah 2. I think it connects with Jeremiah 49, verses 8 and 9. I have heard the reproach of Moab, that would be central Jordan, and the insults of the people of Ammon, that would be northern Jordan, with which they have reproached my people, that would be Israel, and made arrogant threats against their borders, that would be the land of Israel. And here's what he says is going to happen for that. The residue of my people, Israel, shall plunder them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. The IDF will plunder them, and the Israelis will possess that territory. Same thing we just found in Jeremiah chapter 49. I didn't see any peace treaties here. I see war between Jordan and Israel. Those peace treaties are paper thin. Matter of fact, uh, after these prophecies, the control Jordan has over the Temple Mount will be easy to get rid of because they're no longer a problem for Israel. Every time Israel threatens to take over the Temple Mount from Jordan, the parliament meets and starts waving that peace treaty and goes, we'll, we'll rip this up. Well, I, I got news for them after these prophecies, this is likely to be what will happen to the Temple Mount. I'm not saying they're going to use a missile. But they will have no restriction to get that gold dome off of their foundation stone, which is where they want to build their temple. The good news is for the Jordanians, as is the case with so many other populations, they will have a remnant that will go into the Messianic kingdom. Uh, this is dealing with Moab and Ammon, Jeremiah 49.6. Remember we talked about Jeremiah 49.2, the, the alarm of war, and it talks about their having exiles and all that as a result. It says, afterward, I will bring back the captives of the people of Ammon, says the Lord. So Jordan will have a remnant, also in Moab, central Jordan, and Jeremiah 48, 47. And I'll bring back those captives of Moab in the latter days, says the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 48 and 47. In the latter days, he's going to bring the exiles back. We talked about that with Iran. I'll bring back the captives of Elam. So you know, the good news is some will come to a saving faith after they go through these prophecies, after the tribulation, and the Lord will bring those people back. Uh, we try to get them to believe in Jesus right now, so they can be raptured out. They could still go through some of these pre-trib prophecies, but they won't go through the tribulation. These are the people that go through the tribulation that will be believers going into the Messianic kingdom. I'm going to skip through Egypt because I'm out of time and I want to conclude. But Egypt has a peace treaty there, the subject of Isaiah 19. And that peace treaty is paper thin as well. But they will also have a remnant. We're told after the events that happened with them. In Isaiah 19, verses 24 through 25, we're told in that day, after all these different prophecies in Isaiah 19 happen, and now referring to when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, in that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. So, you know, good news for people who believe in Jesus Christ. There's a remnant after the tribulation of Egyptians, Israelis, Assyrians, Iranians, and Jordanians. But the question we pose presently to all of them, and to all of you here, and all of you watching online, and will watch the YouTube that follows, do you want to go through these things, these prophecies, and these are just a few of the ones that are going to happen, in the very near future, as many of us would suggest? Or do you want to get to know Jesus Christ right now and have your eternal destiny assured and have an abundant life right now?